and welcome to episode three of Design Your Legacy, the podcast for women who are living life on purpose and working on building a meaningful legacy. I'm Rosanna, your host and founder of Rosanna Croft Jewelry, a bespoke jewelry company that creates pieces of jewelry that for every chapter of your life. Today, my guest is Alex Deplidge. She's the CEO and founder of Resi.com, the UK's leading architectural practice. In 2016, she was awarded an MBE for services to the sharing economy, and she was the co-founder and CEO of Hassle.com, Europe's leading domestic cleaning marketplace. So she's run two very fast growth companies that have made a real impact in the world. And she's also the mum of two beautiful young girls and giving the work-life balance a new meaning. Now, I first met Alex by chance at an awards ceremony in 2019, and over a glass of champagne, she gave me some invaluable advice, which I followed to a T. Alex didn't know if she'd ever see me again, obviously, but I believe that everything in life happens for a reason, including the people we meet. So have a listen to this episode and find out what advice this serial, successful entrepreneur has for you. Are you brave enough to jump and trust? Hi, Alex. So thank you very much for being a guest on my new podcast. As our listeners will find out when we met last year, you gave me some really sound advice. So I thought that you would be able to inspire the listeners and we could have a really great conversation. So I'll start off with just asking you what your current role in life is and why you do it, why it's important to you. Okay. That's a really good question. Um, so my current role at the minute is I'm the CEO and founder of Resi. Resi is the largest residential architecture platform in the UK, but we do a little bit more than just architecture. We also finance people's projects and we have a marketplace that sources a lot of their, the people that they need to perform the project. So the idea behind Resi is really to, for it to be a cradle-to-grave solution for anyone that's looking to build or change their home. So we help you grow your home effectively. I started that four years ago with my best friend, Jules, who I also did hassle.com with. And I guess like, why? Why am I doing it? (sighs) Being really honest, I'm doing it because I had to prove to myself that I wasn't a bit of a fluke with hassle and that actually hassle was a success because I'm good at what I do. And so therefore I needed to do it again and prove that I can do it. And it must sound so weird to people, for some people to like hear that. But I think it was such a whirlwind and I didn't feel like I was in control at any moment. I just wanted to to, to make sure that like there was a little bit of skill in there. But also like I feel like the whole hassle journey ended up really, it ended really quickly and I didn't get a chance to do all of the things that I wanted to do. You know, Resi was really my like do-over child. Like it was my second go at this. And I have to say like, on balance, I don't think Resi will ever top hassle for the emotional, passionate roller coaster that I went on and the learning curve. But this has been slightly more enjoyable because it's been a little bit more sort of, not sedate, but just more controlled and, you know, a bit more grown up. The entrepreneurial journey is certainly a roller coaster. It must be quite nice, like, the, to be experiencing something a bit calmer and I think it's nice that you're doing it to prove it to yourself and not to prove to other people I was given that advice earlier today actually 
don't do it to prove other people wrong do it to prove yourself right <laughs> yeah no and it's and there's a lot of truth in that I think I don't know why why I couldn't fully look at hassle as a success without proving I could do it again but I do yeah I do have a quite an high internal bar so and also like let's be really honest like I exited hassle when I was 35 what was I going to do I wasn't just going to sit at home was I like doing nothing for I mean you I was always gonna have to do something and the problem with being an entrepreneur is you just basically become unemployable like there's no way for somebody else I know that feeling so I think you've already covered this, but I was just going to ask you briefly how you got to where you are today. So you obviously built up Hassle and sold Hassle. So what else has there been in your journey? Well, I guess I started at Accenture, um, like all, all good consultants do. And I did that actually for seven years. And that last seventh year, I was doing it part-time while I was starting Hassle. And I think I left the corporate world, not because I didn't learn a lot. I did learn a lot and I feel really indebted to Accenture for for really kind of rounding me out as a kind of in business and polishing off some of the rough edges. But I think I ended up realizing that, sounds a bit cliche, but I I wanted to have a career and and a family. And I think that is really hard to do if you don't control your own time. So if you're not the one dictating how you spend your time, that's really hard to do. And the only way that I could see being able to dictate my time was to become an entrepreneur. <laughs> what they didn't tell me is how much less time you have. <laughs> and, uh, you can control it, but there's not more of it. So, Oh, I know. Tell me about it. Well, so that family and career leads me on to my next question. Now, I see that you're also a hands-on mum. Your hands-on mum and a successful tech entrepreneur. And I saw your kids' reaction last week when they saw you on the telly. I know. <laughs> it was so cute. It was just, it was really nice to see. Actually, it was quite nice. It was like, oh, one day, one day, like, it's possible. So what do your kids think of your job? What do they think that you do? So I have to start by saying, like, I'm incredibly privileged because... You know, I have an amazing nanny called yeah. Emily and I couldn't do this if A, I couldn't afford a nanny and B, I didn't have Emily because, you know, I, I don't leave the house feeling guilty that I'm leaving my kids going to work because she plays that third parent, really. And so, you know, sadly, you can't have it all without help is what I've learned. And I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, you know, I've got this great business and I'm such a great mum and not acknowledge that like, it's not all me, (laughs) you know, like I've got help. And I think that's, it's really hard without that help. It'd be impossible. But the girls, I mean, they just say that I'm the boss. (laughs) That's what like, Harper got asked at school, what does your mummy do? And she said, well, my mum is the boss of my daddy and lots of other people, which I thought was quite cute. And they, you know, I get the whole, I get the, the kids are often like, oh, mummy, please don't go to work. In a way that really pisses me off, they never ask them that. They never say, oh, daddy, don't go to work. It's just mummy. Yeah. I'm like, what's that about? But, you know, they do. I bring, I actually have a bring your kids to work day at the office because I think it's really important, especially when they're younger, that they understand where this office is, you know, where this mysterious place that mummies and daddies disappear to, they can actually see it. And so mummy, you know, when, when Harper's asking me like what happened at work today and I can talk about the people, she knows who they are. You know, her favourite bit is the wall downstairs where it's, it's a big chalkboard and she can come in and draw all over it. She thinks it's brilliant. Aww. So I think, you know, 
Evan doesn't really get it. Evan and Anne Harper don't get me being on the TV at all. They're just like, how is she inside the television? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I must have done all right because they've asked me to come back next week. So that's oh, quite exciting. Brilliant. Oh, that's great. Great news. Yeah. I think it's important for your girls. I think it's great that they've got such a strong female role model as well. I think they've got... My mum, who's the chief exec of NHS Grampy, and she's actually just retired, but she wow. has also been one of my guests on the podcast. And my mum's been a massive inspiration to me and one of the reasons that I am where I am today. So you're, I think you're doing a great job for your girls. That's so lovely for you to say that because it is it is always one of those thoughts that lingers at the back of your mind. You know, like I tell myself constantly, you know, I'm being a strong role model, but you just don't know how, how they're going to feel when they grow up. So it's really nice to see someone who's had, you know, a, quite a powerful, dynamic woman as a mum. And I'm sure she had to make sacrifices around sports days and parents even and other things like that. But you sit there and you go, I'm so proud of my mum. She's such a big inspiration. You know, deep down, that's my hope that my kids look back and say, they kind of see me as this, as an inspiration and someone that was loved them and was really there for them rather than like some absent mother, which I realise is a risk. No, I honestly, I think that it's one of these things, like I say, sacrifices. I think it's all for the greater good. And as they grow up, they will see that. I think you're doing a good job. Not that I'm a mother. I've got no idea. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that as people, we all leave a legacy. And whether we realise it or not, every day, everything that we do, the businesses that we build, the careers that we have, and the children that we raise, I think that we all leave this legacy whether we realise it or not. So what does leaving a legacy mean to you? Well, I've never done this for the money. That's the one thing that I know doesn't motivate me. And I think, like, if I had to turn around in 40 years' time and say, like, what is it I would like to look back and see? I guess I'd like to look back and see that I was able to create a place where people wanted to work. I know that sounds a bit, a bit, probably a bit naff actually, but one of the reasons as well as like wanting a career in a family that I left Accenture is like, I wanted to work in a, an environment that didn't feel like work. So Accenture was always the best place to work for women because you got a year's paid maternity, but it was almost impossible to return to work once you'd had the baby. And I wanted to create a place of work that was just part of life. Does that make sense? you really enjoyed your colleagues and your job and you know it takes up so much of your time you want to be in a place that accommodates the things outside of work that need to be accommodated like parents evenings or dentist appointments or you need you know a half day to go to the spa whatever it might be and it's been far, far more about like how work is with life rather than like this idea of work-life balance which I don't believe in so that's what I really wanted to do is like I wanted to create a place where people felt very mission driven we could try new things that were maybe a little bit out there that, you know, other HR departments might not let happen. But just so we could try and experiment with like what work is meant to be in, in the modern day. We do it so much. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I don't know the stats, but we spend the majority of our time and lives at work. So we may as well enjoy it. And I agree with you. I don't think there's such a thing as a work-life balance. 
And I think what's made me laugh a little bit is like, I mean, I'm a bit of a naysayer when it comes to this idea that the office is going to change that much because of the pandemic. Like, I do think, yes, we've accelerated people having more flexi time where they can do a few days from home. But I think there is a fundamental need for people who work together to be together, whether that's for, for learning or banter or innovation or creative thought. And so it did make me laugh when I saw the other day that actually like the stats are out there. The people who um, have been working from home are actually working more hours <laughs> than they did when they were in the office because they just fill that time with work. And I think, yeah. yeah, I'd like to look back and think that I created a nice place to work. But I also, you know, selfish that I'd love for Resi to become a household brand. Could you imagine being, could you imagine being like, I don't know, the founder of Jojo, my mom, Bebe or something, <laughs> or like the founder of the body shop. And you're like, everybody knows my brand. That, that's pretty freaking cool to me. That's one of my wishes as well. So I think <laughs> we've got to aim high. Always, otherwise you don't get half half as far in life, I agree. Absolutely not. Okay, so on a more personal level, so being the founder of Rosanna Croft Jewellery, I believe that we carry a legacy in our jewellery. I think it's how people remember us and the effect that we've had on their lives. One of the big reasons I think I became a jeweler is because I would go through my grandmother's jewelry box and she's labeled all of the little pieces that I've liked and she's going to pass them down to me one day. But can you talk to me about a special piece of jewelry that you own? If it's a something that's been handed down or wedding or engagement ring? Oh, God, I'm such a really bad wearer of jewelry. I remember like, it's, I don't have it, but I know what you mean about this idea of a legacy. Because if you ever said to me, like, what's your favorite piece of jewelry? It was actually a piece of jewelry that was stolen from my mum's house like 20 years ago. And it was an, an emerald, oval cut emerald, yeah. surrounded by like shards of like cubic zirconia. It was really different and it was massive. And I think it inspired my love of massive rings. Yes. Like I really, you know, when someone's got a bauble on their hand, I'm like, yes that's badass probably because I've got really big knuckles and so anything dainty just don't work on me and I just loved that that ring that my mum had and it's because my dad bought it for her and I thought it was really different and really you know really unusual and and I I think I'd well I did I told her I always hoped that that was going to come to me and then obviously some scoundrel stole it (laughs) green is also my favorite color so that might have had something to do with it emeralds are absolutely beautiful I know what you mean about a statement ring. I love a statement ring. And I think they're eye-catching. They say something about you as the wearer. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you there. So have you ever had a piece of jewellery designed for you or remodelled or...? I mean, yeah, my wedding rings and my engagement ring were actually made made for me. What the funny thing about that, though, is like, I remember... Dave trying to kind of my husband who I've been married to for like nearly 11 years sort of subtly trying to ask me like what I like oh and I just lived in a, I, yeah and I'd lived in America for a long time and over there it was always about the princess cut diamond and I remember like showing him in a magazine you know something like this yeah. lo and behold I got exactly that ring <laughs> handmade you know, and had I known that that was going to happen, I might have put a little bit more thought into exactly what I wanted. So no, needless to say, I have this. And then the um, wedding ring was was made to, to fit that. But I think that's like the only piece of bespoke jewellery I've like had made for me. 
I should get more. Why am I not getting more? You should get more. Definitely. I know a great jewelry should, designer. <laughs> I do. Um, RC initials, I believe, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something like that. I'll try and find her on the internet and I'll find, give you her details. Oh, um, yeah, I heard, of, I heard of websites down. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Tell me about it. But those pieces, because they've been made for you, they're just that bit more special than if you were to buy it from the high street, well, mass produced. Yes, mm-hmm. I totally agree. Well, I totally agree as well. In, no, but I agree. I mean, one of my favourite jewellers in London is um, this little old man that's got um, a second-hand jewel store, the, not on the Hatton Garden, but on the crossroads of Hatton Garden. Oh. And in the window, you might have seen it, but in the window he has like £100 rings all the way up to like a £1,000. Yeah, ring. I know the one you yeah, you know what I mean? And my, when my one of my best mates, Liz, was getting married, her boyfriend at the time said, can you come and choose a ring? And we he got t- this temporary ring. I think it was about 200 quid, this amethyst, cl- amethyst cluster. Oh my God, yeah. it's so gorgeous. I, in my opinion, better than her engagement ring. And anyway, like I, I keep saying to her, I was like, you are going to leave me that <laughs> ring at some point, aren't you? It's like, are you trying to say that I'm going to die before you? But you know when you really want something that somebody yeah. else has got and I, I really want Liz's ring? And she got it from that man in there. And I just, I go past that shop all the time and I pick out a ring. I'm like, oh, I just love that place. Oh my goodness, that's so funny. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, jewellery aside, you gave me some really invaluable advice last year at the Forward Ladies Awards, which I listened to to the letter, hence why I have expanded the business to London. So thank you. But what advice do you want to give to other women about living a meaningful life and leaving a legacy I think that like so much of particularly for women and it is a massive generalization I'm going to make it anyway Mm -hmm. but I think confidence is obviously sometimes the greatest inhibitor of women living a meaningful life and leaving a legacy because I think a lot of women dream big or they have really women are naturally quite creative and I think that a lot of women have a lot of ambition but they just don't necessarily always feel confident enough to follow through on it. I mean, I told you to you needed to be in London <laughs> if you wanted to make your you know a brand of jewellery. And like that's that it to a large extent it is true. It's more true for the people you're gonna meet down here than anything else. Like I'm I'm sure you could have done it from is it Derby? Derbyshire, yeah. Derbyshire. You know, you could have done I just think it might have been a bit harder. Very few people, Rosanna, would have acted on that advice. <laughs> and I think that, no, but genuinely, like I must see about 200 women a year at Rosie, you know, that come down to, to, to see, they want some advice and I have calls and things like that. And some of them have got absolutely brilliant ideas, but they never really get beyond that idea because they're too afraid to just start. And yeah. it's a bit like when you're drawing a picture or you're writing an essay, the hardest part about writing that essay is just putting the first few words on the paper. And once you're away, it, the, the past kind kind of picks itself and you sort of it takes its own life whereas it's the just getting started and that's where the confidence like kicks in so I think sometimes don't think about it it's a bit like jumping off a diving board hold your nose and just jump yeah don't think about what you're going to hit at the bottom or how it might hurt or how cold the water is or how far it is to swim out the other side just jump and trust that the net will appear I think that's great advice and I know from i pain myself by overthinking things and it's just doing it and when you just yeah. do it like you say you just do it once you just do it twice you just do it a third time and the confidence builds and confidence is a massive massive thing that I think holds a lot of people back lack of 
I think you're right. And overthinking is another one. I mean, I've got to have a really horrible conversation tomorrow. I mean, you know, you can imagine with lockdown and things yeah. like that. And I just don't think about it because I think yeah. if I think about it, I get too emotional, too upset. I won't get anything done today. And it's, you know, you allow it to throw everything else off. And I think sometimes the best thing you can do is make a decision and then just put it to one side and crack on with whatever else it is that you're doing and not think about it again. I mean, it's, all this stuff sounds really easy when you talk about it. It's a lot, hard, a lot harder to actually do. Absolutely. But it gets easier. It does. The more times you do it, for sure. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. I, I imagine that everybody will get a lot of value out of this and listening to you. So thank you very, very much for coming on. You are very welcome. It's been really nice to, to get to talk to you again. I hope that you've been inspired by Alex's journey to be brave, don't overthink it and just do it, whatever that may be for you. She's clearly a woman living her life on purpose and has some pretty big reasons behind doing what she does every day, from her young girls and family to building a company that people want to work for. The advice that Alex gave me was to basically jump and trust, move to London. And even though it's been a strange year, I'm so pleased that I listened and that me and Alex were able to have this conversation. If, like Alex, you decide that you need some more bespoke jewellery in your life, please download my brochure on jewellery redesign, or you can head to my Instagram page for daily jewellery inspiration. Ultimately, jewellery becomes our legacy, and I believe that every woman in the world should experience the magic of having jewellery made just for her. You can follow Alex or myself through the links in the show notes and find more information about the magic of bespoke jewellery. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.